0: Welcome back to another edition of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. So on this podcast, I interview Scott Scott Holtman. Scott is a former Navy E-2 pilot. And um, it's really fun because Scott, you know, the main part of the conversation, you know, we we get into some of why he made the decision to go where he went. And there's actually two parts of the conversation that I think you're really going to appreciate. First part, it, we, we get into – he works for um, – currently works for InVista, and we, that's the second part of the conversation. He works for InVista in making um, high-performance textile products. And when he first came to the conference, he was thinking he was going to take his career in a different location – or I'm sorry, in a different direction. And even um, after the conference, when he was doing some follow-up interviews, he wasn't so sure where it was going to go, and he ended up going on this follow-up interview. Um, and made the decision this was the company he needed to go work for, and then talked about why he's been so successful, taking his Navy pilot experience, why he's been so successful in the operational career field, and how that's allowed him to grow to higher levels of leadership in his company. And then the second main topic that we get into is his company, the operating company that he's working for, recently has um is going through a divestiture and being purchased by a private equity group that values the company and what they do and what they make a little bit higher than the old company and we get into the conversation of why that is and why that's actually a thing and what the opportunity looks like so i think this is a unique um podcast because you know frankly we don't get a chance to talk to officers often that are going through this company oriented transition and uh, it's exciting and Scott's really excited about it and there's tons of opportunity. Um, the company that he work, he's working for actually just came to the Cameron Brooks conference, in, uh, last conference we had in August of 2018 and, and just hired uh, uh, an officer from that conference and we kind of mentioned that toward the end of the call which is pretty neat as well. So Scott has a really interesting story to tell and a very he's going through something that's very unique and exciting. Um, and I'm anxious to follow his career now for the next few years and watch how all of that plays out. My suspicion is it'll play out very positively for him. So I think you're going to like this one um, and uh, and learn some new things about uh, a little bit about manufacturing, which is which is uh, what he's up to, the industry he's involved in, and uh, and then a little bit about being in a company who's going through um, a pretty significant transition. As it relates to ownership and the whole thing. So, pretty neat, pretty neat um, podcast and really neat story. Um, If you want to know more about us, if you don't know much about Cameron Brooks and you want to learn a little bit more about us, certainly you can find us lots of information, open source material on our website, Cameron Brooks.com. If you want to go deep in terms of preparing the transition from the military to corporate America, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy. Of PCS to Corporate America on Amazon. You can buy the paper or digital copy. It's in its fourth edition, so it's been updated now three different times. It's currently written by Roger Cameron and co authored by Chuck Alvarez, who's the president and CEO of Cameron Brooks, and Joel Junker, who's the executive vice president and leads our recruiting effort here in the company. So, lots of the book is chock full of information. Um, practical information that you can use right now to help you learn how to make a transition from the military to corporate America. Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another edition. Without further ado, here's Scott. Hey, Scott, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on and spending a little time with me today on the podcast. I appreciate you being here.
1: Hey, no problem, Pete. How you doing today?
0: Yeah, yeah, doing well. I'm excited to visit with you. I think, you know, what what's going on in your world right now is exciting and, and I think people that uh that listen to this podcast will be interested to hear some of uh some of the things happening at your company. So maybe maybe let's start back though, let's kinda of go pre career conference. So you came to the conference back in January of two thousand fourteen. Let's go back before the conference. What were you doing in the military prior to getting out?
1: Uh, prior to getting out, I was uh, flying E2s for the for the Navy. I'd uh, mm-hmm. just finished my, you know, it was about the 12 year mark, so I'd done a, uh, you know, an initial JO tour, and then I did a uh, a small joint tour with a with the Army unit, and then I had just finished my uh, my instructor tour flying airplanes for the Navy.
0: Now, when you got out of the military, you know, one of the logical pathways to someone who knows how to fly a fixed wing aircraft is to go to The airlines, and sometimes we have conversation with folks that are full-time or pilots in the military, trying to make a decision: Do I want to fly? Do I want to be a leader in corporate America? Why did you choose not to fly? Uh, At the end
1: of the day, that was pretty much a family decision. There, I mean, I kind of saw it as uh, my quality of life wasn't going to change a whole lot going to the airlines versus what I was doing in the military. And you know, I'm married. I've got three kids, and uh, the decision for me was. Hey, at the end of the day, I want to go home. I want to coach T-ball. Um, uh, I want to have predictability of my schedule and be able to know when I'm taking vacation. So, I mean, it was certainly an attractive option for me, but uh, at the end of the day, that was a driver for me.
0: Now, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you do you coach T-ball or do you do, you know, do, what, what do you do outside of like the nine to five <laughs> work that you're up to?
1: I do, man. I've got a uh, a 10-year-old daughter that uh, plays softball now, so I'm I'm
0: okay. coaching
1: girls softball and um my son does T-ball, but that that one's a little more challenging than the older kids, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, so you're living the dream. You said, "Hey, I want to go out and coach coach my kids sports and uh and that's what, exactly what you're up to." Cool. All right. So, you came to the conference in January 14. You know, I don't I don't necessarily I don't I'd prefer you not to walk through every company you interviewed with, but you ultimately chose Invista. You know, what, what kind of opportunities were you considering at your conference? Um and, you know, why did you ultimately choose the company that you chose? Um,
1: from what I recall about the conference, uh I interviewed with a, a pretty good variety of companies and um in fact manufacturing and Invista is Specifically was was something that I had never considered. I didn't know much about the manufacturing industry uh, I was a little hesitant to go in that direction. Um, the other companies I was interviewing with were uh, commission-based sales companies um, uh, a lot of uh, pharmaceutical sales and uh, medical device companies and and that sort of thing and uh, I was kind of leaning in that direction until I did some some follow-on research and some um, post-conference interviews with uh, with Invista, and, and uh, that's kind of how I got to where I am today.
0: I've got to dig on, I've just got to dig into this topic. I mean, it, it, I, I must stop and ask you that question, because, and I end up having this conversation a lot with people before they come to the career conference, and it's so difficult before someone comes to the conference, because there's no context other than, yeah, I know I'm going to work with a lot of great companies, and you know, and and I assume I'll get some follow-up interviews, but, you know, to say, hey, you're going to come thinking one thing and you're probably going to do something else, which is not an uncommon story, Scott. I got to tell you, what happened in the follow-up interview process that that led you to make that – because like you said, you hey, I was leaning in this one direction, then I, you know, got on a plane and went down to Houston, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm going in this other direction. What happened?
1: I think it's just something that you have to—you just gotta gotta see. You know, I never—it's hard to relate what you do in the military to what you can go do in the civilian world. And um, I was of the flavor of, hey, my last three years in the military, I went back to school, I got my MBA. Uh, I was targeting, you know, that desk job or or doing something corporate. But when I when I got into the manufacturing industry and I started talking to folks in the post post conference interviews. Um, there were just a lot of parallels between what I was doing in the in the Navy and and what we do in in manufacturing. I mean, it's the the manufacturing plants structured very slowly to how an aviation squadron is is structured. Uh, it was tangible. It was something that I could relate to, um, and it felt more well, it felt less like starting over than than some of the other industries that were represented at the conference to me.
0: Um when you say felt less like starting over, the other way, the the synonym to that phrase is leading with your strengths. And we, we talk a lot about leading with your strengths and people have the opportunity to do a lot of different types of searches, but what we have found is when someone leads with their strengths, they get into a role or into a company that, yeah, everything's new and Vista's new, Houston's new, the people are new, the processes are new, the products are new. But what's not new is you're getting into a role that takes full advantage of what you're already good at, which allows you to move quicker from that role to the next role down the road. Can you speak to that? I mean, that's not a plan. I didn't set that up, but that's what happened (laughs) in your world. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: No, I think that's absolutely true. Um, One of the things that's been interesting in the past four and a half years is just, just recognizing how far um, your leadership can take you uh, in the field I guess I, di- I didn't expect that I, I expected to have to uh I don't know how do I put it I, I don't I don't know I guess I I expected a difficult road but there's like I said before the the parallels you know I mean operating a manufacturing unit is like Operating a a unit in the military. You got an operations division. You got a maintenance division. You got safety people. You've got engineers uh, You've got your operators who are are, are very similar to your enlisted personnel and and it's just very it's a it was a very seamless transition for me So the the strengths that made me good at what I did when I was in the Navy were the same strengths that make me pretty good at what I do in my current role Uh, and it's very easy to leverage those strengths uh, I don't know if I skirted your question there or not, Pete.
0: No, no, and that's exactly it. I mean, you you didn't really skirt anything. You put an exclamation point on it. <clears throat> and I think sometimes people think, well, I, I want to get out and do something different. I want to I want to go into sales, which is what I did, by the way, which you were almost going to do. And what I will tell you is when I got out and went to sales, which I don't think I would do it differently, Scott, but I will say that as a former Army field artillery officer going to sell medical devices to surgeons in the OR, there's literally nothing the same. And so it just takes you, took me longer, takes most people longer to ramp to fully productive as opposed to you, which again, you still, there was still a ramp. You didn't know Invista. You didn't know anyone. You didn't know the products, all those things, but your ramp was just, I assume was less steep because you're just, you know, like you said, there's just more, of your experience that you re- leverage directly into what you're up to. So yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's very common.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a good analogy, the the ramp analogy. I mean, it's certainly still there. There There's a learning sure. curve associated with jumping into an industry that you're unfamiliar with, but it helps to have a little bit of a foundation to build on. And that's certainly what, what I've experienced so far in, in my transition.
0: Now you mentioned manufacturing, and it's funny because you 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 used the phrase earlier in the conversation. I was hesitant about manufacturing, and I think for some people, that, you know, I I think that's a that's a com- I don't know if that's common, but I mean, I hear that some, and and it's mostly because people don't necessarily appreciate you know what manufacturing actually is. Like they don't they don't see manufacturing as you know the planning, you know the the demand planning, and then the sourcing and the procurement and the actual production, and then the supply chain as it relates to delivery. They don't they don't see you know the the whole supply chain with manufacturing just being one of the you know major links in the chain. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what what were you hesitant and what what were you hesitant about, and then you know dispel perhaps you can dispel some of those myths you know, now that you've been at this for four and a half years, been promoted, kind of doing other things in the company that you started at? I
1: think one of my concerns going in, number one was just unfamiliarity, right? I mean, there's so much industry out there that makes so many different things. And and one of my big concerns leaving aviation was, man, you know, I'm giving up flying an airplane to go do what, you know, am I going to go when you say manufacturing, am I producing widgets? Am I producing buttons? Am I sitting in front of a a factory? That's, you know, just production line type stuff. Um, That was kind of my concept of manufacturing as I went into the conference. And and what I do now is is completely different from that. I mean, there's so many um, so much different dynamics in the petrochemicals field um, in terms of, it's something new every day. It's a new challenge. There's a lot of different variables. We change product grades. We we produce various different products depending on you know the market for for whatever is 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 hot at the time. So um, when when you ask me you know what was my concern? My concern is was was largely the unknown. You know what what is it? You know what am I getting myself into?
0: Got it. When you talk about <clears throat> It being dynamic, because I think that w- one of the things you said, you know, you know, what am I going to be, you know, standing on the production line, watching my team kind of make something and just kind of standing there all day. I don't I think you, because you, you, and you, I'm just kind of pulling together what you're saying because of the unknown, people don't really appreciate all of the variables at play. And you talked about, you know, whether you're producing a new product relative to what the market's looking for or something new every day. Can you, can you kind of let us peek behind the curtain here a little bit and share with us some of the the dynamic nature of why is it different every day? Maybe just give us – perhaps give us a day in a life?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best on that one. Um, I mean, for for what I do at, at my facility, we, we basically take raw material feeds um, in the form of, of gas, really high-pressure gas we bring that into a a facility where we then um, put it through a series of reactors chemical reactors and uh, distillation columns um, think if you will like whiskey stills Um, and so so that whole that whole process is is really highly hazardous i mean you're talking about stuff that's um, highly volatile highly flammable um, high pressures high temperatures Uh, there's a lot of risk to manage there so when you've got folks out there turning wrenches and doing equipment on that, um, for me, a lot of the same concepts of aviation risk management applied um, to operations risk management. And, and so just like any piece of heavy equipment or machinery, you got something new that uh, gives you a challenge every day. So, you know, mm-hmm. components break and, um uh we're we're pretty much a continuous use 24 hours a day seven days a week facility Uh, and you got to be able to respond to those those challenges at a moment's notice and get yourself back up and producing uh, as quickly as you can and so that that kind of pressure to to get things done is another uh, piece that the military prepared me well for is because you're always under you know you're you're used to handling that pressure and, and you respond well to it and um you know, getting the people that work with you and that work for you to respond in the same manner that you would respond is is a very distinct strength, I think, um, that the military prepares you for.
0: You started, and I, and I had to go look at, I had to go do a little digging here. So you started at the conference, you interviewed for a, quote, regional process safety manager. On your LinkedIn profile right now, you're in operations manager are those two things different
1: yeah absolutely different so i've been uh i've been the operations manager at a at a single site a single uh, manufacturing site for a little over a year now uh when i left the conference i got uh i was i was the um the first role i had was as a regional uh process hazard analyst and what that role is is um essentially conducting safety audits at uh Um, various sites. So when I initially made the jump, um, the company liked my background in incident investigation, in um, mishap investigation, in safety analysis, familiarity with aircraft systems, being able to analyze a problem, that sort of thing. And so that's what my first role was. Hey, go from site to site, um, analyze little pieces of equipment um, in, in subsystems, Um, with a team of of engineers and and operations folks and tell us if if you think it's safe, you know, if if it's uh, in compliance with regulation, if it's in compliance with company policy. So that's how I started. And it was a good introduction to this is kind of how chemical manufacturing works. It gave me a really broad exposure to a lot of different processes and a lot of exposure to a lot of different people, uh, which is really what piqued my interest in in operations because that was – the role that I liked the most when I was in, in aviation also was operations. Mm-hmm. So the operations maintenance link, um, all that that kind of stuff. Um, that's, but, but yeah, that's, that was the, init- the initial role was as an analyst. Um, from that analyst role within about a year of taking that analyst role, uh, we, we built that team from uh, I think three or four people to eight people. And when we built it to eight people to handle a larger region, um i then took managerial control of that team so i i acted as the manager for that team that did those safety audits uh for about another two and a half years before i made the transition to operations
0: now now what does an operations manager do at a facility what do you you know are you are you the no, number one guy in the facility you number the who, who do you report to what does all that look like
1: um you're, i mean you're kind of the uh the number two um the way you know our plant in, is structured, and depending on the size of your facility, they're all structured a bit differently, but there's a plant manager. My direct boss is, is the plant manager, okay. and then we have um, three or four folks that are essentially my, my peers. So, I'm the operations right. manager, then we also have a maintenance manager, uh, a health and safety manager, and a uh, technology manager, who's our, our engineering uh, guru. So that's kind of the site leadership team, if you will, is that that core group of people, and then we report to the plant manager and, and, and um, are responsible for the day-to-day execution of, or, or day-to-day production of of, uh, of the plant.
0: So how, and there's two questions I have based on your response there. First, how are you measured? When your boss comes to you and says, hey, Scott, you know, how are we doing? What is he or she really asking you?
1: So twofold there. Um, first and foremost, um, my performance is based on the, the safe execution uh, of, of the day-to-day tasks, right? So if, if people get hurt, or if uh, we have health and safety incidents, or we're not responsible to the environment, uh, we're not doing our job. Um, so that's really my my primary. Um, responsibility is to make sure that we make our product but we make it safely and we send everybody home at the end of the day um and then the other the other measures is is production at the end of the day we're operating to turn a profit and i've got to get product um out out the door so we make product via a, a, a different a variety of different ways and at the end of the day it leaves the plant in a rail car a truck or an iso container and uh we're not profitably and, and, uh, effectively making that in our jobs either. Okay.
0: Um, um, the other, the other question I had for you is, you know, and, you know, I know you don't have a crystal ball here, Scott, so, but, but, you know, would the next job for you be the maintenance manager? Would, 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 is the idea in this type of, Succession planning or progression be you know do a couple of jobs at your level. You're doing operations, maybe you do maintenance or safety next, and then take a plant. Is that how that typically works? I know that I know that there's no, you know, it's not like the military. I do know that to be true, where it's not like (laughs) defined all the way through. But you know, what what does that succession plan look like for you? It probably
1: varies a little bit company to company. Um, Our company has historically promoted. Uh, plant managers from the operations ranks. So, uh, based okay. on my current situation, I would be targeting a, a plant manager role next. Um, I'm not there yet. I, I probably need another three to five years of experience to get where I would be comfortable, and where the comfortable be, where the company would be comfortable with me. But th- that's the next sure. logical step for me is a is a plant manager type role.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Good, good to have a feel for kind of where things go. Okay, I want to I want to break break off now and talk. And you and I were having a, a you know before I hit the record button on this thing, we were talking a little bit about this. So, just want to be real careful to share things that that you feel comfortable talking about. But so recently, your company is going through an acquisition. So you know, can you? And, and which I think is scary to people that, especially people in the military. You know, I was I literally was talking to a guy before we got on the phone today. I was talking to a guy, and he's like, you know, one of the reasons I like being in the military is, you know, the security of the military. And I, I think I thought to myself, and then we had a good dialogue about it, where I, I, I kind of thought the opposite. I think there's more security in corporate America because there's so much opportunity in corporate America as opposed to in the military. You know, one false move, and you know, then you got to go figure out, you know, something new. Ah, I don't want to go too too far down that road, but I guess my point is. You're going through, or your company's going through something right now that that I think people that are you know not very knowledgeable about how these things work can think. See, I knew it. You know, the business world is really scary and and not all that stable, which is not true. Can you share with us a little bit about you know maybe just as much as you can, I guess, since the deal's not quite done. Share with us what uh, what's going on in your company
1: sure yeah i mean i i certainly shared some of those concerns when i first uh heard about what was going on with our company but um at the end of the day or where we're at now i'm actually pretty excited about it uh kind of the backstory is that the, the company that uh, i signed on with so right so Invista at the uh, career conference um is a wholly owned subsidiary of coke industries and then within invista there are several different business divisions uh, that make up Invista as a whole um and without getting into too much detail on this, essentially, um, Invista is, is divesting one of those business arms to a, a, a private buyer who, who values that business arm, uh, to a greater extent than Invista does, which is, which is good news. Um, the, the buyer is coming in as a, a, basically a private equity holder, which means that they're coming in making an investment. Uh, in the company, mm-hmm. and to make that investment in the company, they got to make the the same investment in the people. So it's a good opportunity for my my current business that's within Invin- Invista that's being spun off. It's a good opportunity for growth because somebody else is is coming in and putting a pretty good uh, influx of capital uh, into the company um, and and making the bet that uh, uh, they can they can make basically make better money than Invista was making with us um through them by ex- focusing exclu- exclusively exclusively on, on us um if that makes sense I tried to try to d- stay as vague as does. possible and there is,
0: yeah i know yeah and i just want to say i mean the products that to, to those who are listening the products that scott is making is extremely well known and extremely hot in terms of the pro he makes a product that other companies use and sell and if we talked about the companies that you would, you would all recognize them because you all probably were at the mall this weekend buying something <laughs> that that's involved in what they do. So, you know, the he's involved in a very uh, lucrative and a very well-known product line. I guess the the interesting thing, my my thought is, you know, when, when something like this happened, the first reaction is like, oh crap, what's this mean for us? And then And then, you know, your story is not unique. And then you find out the investor actually values the company more than the previous company. And all of a sudden, the situation gets real, real attractive because there's so much more an infusion of capital. I have literally heard this plenty. And so things will get good. Now, there'll be hard parts about the transition. You're transitioning to a a different owner, which makes things, you know, interesting and harder but but the bottom line is they're making, to your point, they're making a calculated financial bet and therefore infusing capital, a.k.a. money and resources, into your organization, um, which will pre- present opportunities for you in the future. Um, first off, why would any company, and again, you, I don't want you to go, I don't want you to start sharing secrets and you wouldn't anyway, but why would any company divest a portion of their business? Can you just kind of very quickly explain why this would even be a thing if if your company's making you know a, a, making a product that is hot right now why in it why in the world would anyone you know look to sell that company
1: so i mean as a, as a general rule right i mean a a divestiture uh and selling selling a, an arm or one of your business arms um generates capital um, so if you've got a, an area of your business where you'd like to focus more capital, and you don't have that capital mm-hmm. to consume at current time, a good way to go about funding that uh, portion that you're trying to focus on more is to is to divest something else, kind of like selling your car, right? Um, you know, if I if, if I want to make a, uh, I don't know, if, I, if I've got a sports car in the garage, right, and I want to put a pool in the backyard and I don't have the funds to do that. I can, I can, I can sell the sports car and put the pool in. Um, so that's kind of right. how I, I equate that. That's my, that's my simple yeah, there. Great Pete. analogy.
0: <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Why why does the new owner value the company more perhaps? I mean, I guess that maybe – I mean, I guess you could put a dollar amount on it. I don't want you to do it at this point. But you said, hey, they, I think they value it more than the former company. In what way? What does that mean to someone who's not in your business and industry?
1: I think it just um it, you know it
0: kind of depends on
1: um logistics and your position in the marketplace. Um sometimes you you leverage efficiencies by um you know buying things in certain locations where the uh, the supply chain makes more sense. Um and that has something to do with 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 our situation and and there there are a variety of reasons um you know, why you would go about doing something like that from a strategic perspective. But, uh, that's kind sure. of the real simple, simplistic response there.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have you back on once the deal is done so you can kind of give all the dirt. No, I don't know if you'd be having a chance to do that, but <laughs> I know what's going on. And I think, I think, I think those that are listening will get get a good sense and a good feel for, and again, Scott, I, you know, this is not the first time I've heard this happening. And in every case, every single case, when that happens, the people that, you know, are loyal to the company and, you know, go with the company as they're going on to another owner find themselves in a really nice position. Although, and, and I, I don't know if you're already starting to feel this, the transition, you know, you'll have to fight through the transition because, you know, when you, you know, you sell the pool, I don't know if this is going to work, but you sell the car <laughs> to, to build the pool You know, somebody's going to dig a hole in the backyard and, you know, it's ugly for a while as you're getting all the construction squared away. But at some point, there'll be a beautiful, you know, swimming pool in your backyard. And, you know, you have to fight through that construction phase, which is not all that easy, I think. What do you think about that?
1: I think you're spot on there. And and let me preface this, too, with uh, um, I, I made the conscious decision to follow the the new company. I knew that the sale was going to take place before I left my old role. Um, And so I had the opportunity to to stay with the former company uh, in my other role and uh, and see where that took me. Or I had the opportunity to kind of go out on a limb, uh, pursue the operations path, which is what I wanted to do, um, and, and make the bet on the new company. Now, you know i did my my research and my homework and and i understood everything that was associated with that when i made that decision uh, but at the end of the day like I, like i said earlier i think it's an exciting opportunity i mean sure there are some unknowns there and i don't know exactly how it's going to pan out but there's a lot of opportunity there uh and i think it's a uh a, a really ripe opportunity for growth if you will and and it's it's a chance yeah. to get in on the ground floor of that and see where it goes and you know, if it works out,
0: I want right. to put a huge explanation point on the exclamation point on that because cause you're married, you got two kids. I think how many kids? You got two. You mentioned two. Only two. You got two kids. I, I got three. Okay, all right. So you're married. You got even better. So you got you're married. You got three kids. You got a lot of responsibility riding on your shoulders. You're sitting here telling me that you made a calculated risk. You took a calculated risk based on opportunity. Let's just say, Scott, and and God forbid this happened, but let's just say something bad happens and and, and, and the opportunity doesn't pan out the way you want it. I think you know this. I certainly know this. You're so marketable in your industry right now, and you happen to live in a city that has plenty of opportunity, that if things go south, you would have so much more opportunity That if you were still in the military right now trying to get out of the military and get into the role that you would move into next. I hope you know that. Do you, do you feel that way? Do you, I know, I know you're not looking, you're not looking down for any sort of safety net, but Scott, it is so there, but do you know that?
1: No, that's absolutely true. And I mean, that was uh, um, a big factor in making the decision on, on where I wanted to to take the job too. I mean, I, I know that this area is ripe for, that sort of opportunity and um i've been i've been fortunate to have a pretty good exposure to a variety of of different areas within the industry in a short amount of time already and so you you couple that with your leadership experience from the military and um i i tell you i I mean when i'm looking for candidates now i kind of look for the same thing so I've, i've swapped shoes in fact we just extended an offer and he just accepted today a, a Cameron Brooks guy to, to come join I know. my, my organization. So, um,
0: I know this there's is a lot little of fortuitous. Well, it, this call is a little bit fortuitous because, uh, he actually, this individual was the very first person from the August conference, which we just wrapped up not even three weeks ago to accept an offer. So, um, and we think this guy is, a rock star, an operations rock star. So I'm super excited for him and for you guys. It's going to be neat to watch that.
1: So Yeah, we're, uh, we're certainly anyway, excited to have him on yeah, board. Yep. Yeah,
0: cool. Well, um, you know, this, this call, I was so excited when you accepted the opportunity because I knew you were there. I knew that they were, you know, your company came to the last conference. And so um, so I really wanted to take the conversation in this direction because I wanted to hear... It's it's a little bit of a unique perspective. It's not a unique perspective. It's just unique because a lot of times conversations don't go in this direction based on what's going on with your company. So I just wanted people to hear from someone that that is engaged in something this exciting and you know hear hear about what you're thinking and maybe some of the decision you know so why you made decisions and what they are. So um, this has been a great conversation, Scott. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day to to make a make it an effort to to pay it forward and let some people hear your story.
1: No, absolutely. I mean uh it, it's one of those things that the the more you hear from different perspectives the easier the it makes the transition and I was certainly uh I was certainly nervous when I when I made my jump and um I, I didn't probably didn't take full advantage of the podcasts if they were even available back then. But uh um I think something like this would have helped me out. Um, a little bit more in my decision-making process. So whatever I could do to to give back is uh, is thirty minutes is nothing, right?
0: I love it, man. They were not available, by the way, four and a half years ago. But uh, anyway, I really appreciate you saying that. Okay, my friend. Well, um, well, best of success in that transition. And uh, of course, if we can do anything for you along the way just pick up the phone. Uh, Otherwise, I suspect we'll see you at a conference in the not-too-distant future hiring more JMOs, and we greatly appreciate that, Scott.
1: All right, Pete. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, buddy. Have a good one. Take care. All right. You too. Bye.